What's good? What's good? You are now listening to Loose Accents, an immigrant podcast for the press and unbothered. Loose Accents is a podcast that will cover all the issues, stories, and topics that make your tia and your ex pressed about your life. We are here to celebrate everything that we come to represent, the looseness of our tongues, baby. Basically, two immigrant kids who found each other in L.A. Ernesto is from Los Angeles. Me, I'm from the Bronx, New York. And we are, our, I mean, our goal is liberation, right? Mm-hmm. And basically living our best lives of two hoes, being unbothered, and just embracing ourselves. Who the hoe? <laughs> Definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming to you from the beautiful neighborhood of South LA for this episode two that brings you all things Coachella and all the memories of music and how we grew up loving our songs. So grab your hot Cheetos, los platanitos, the country club, Fanta, lo que sea, because we have a good ass show for you prepared. Yo, I am on Bay. And I am Dangeli Afro-Dominican Next Things. Yes, yes, baby. Yo, I'm so hyped about this episode. I'm ready to discuss all the ratchetry, the hoetry. <laughs> the hoetry. <laughs> that went on at Coachella, because we were a mess. A mess. So how are you recovering, Ernesto? Tell me. Okay, look. I am recovering by sleeping, drinking a lot of yeah. water. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. pretending like I didn't have the weekend of my life for weekend one at Coachella. The most exhausting thing I have ever done. Starting from walking that mile just to go through security. Yo, my toes got corns. My feet were throbbing at the end of the night. Throbbing. But I wouldn't take it back. No. Because listen, Coachella was. It was like one of those experiences that like you go because you know you want to see your favorite artist, but no one talks about all the other shit that's going to happen. No one talks about the walking, the crowdiness, the line to Mm -hmm. get food, to get drinks, Mm -hmm. um, and basically the people passing out because they're so high or so drunk. Right. The sleep deprivation that happens. (laughs) The vomiting. Oh, Lord. So well, how have you been taking care of yourself oh. apart from sleeping? Look, so I think for me, um, so what I've been doing is every time I go into the shower, uh, I always like give myself a massage on the uh, like on my toes and the bottom of my feet. I like ask for forgiveness for my toes. I'm like, babies, I'm so sorry that I put you through this, but thank you so much for just m- making me get from where our lift dropped us off to go watch <laughs> J Balvin, baby. Where you were living? My life. Your life. He is my man. <laughs> Don't tell David, but he is my man. <laughs> I found my man at the J Balvin <laughs> set. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Someone's son. <laughs> Someone's son. Someone. That- ooh, ooh. If you're out there, if you're listening, hello to you. Why have you not slid in my DMs yet? You know who you are. You know. You follow me on Instagram, sir. We may or may not have proof and pictures. <laughs> we may or may not have discussed you in the chat with nine other people. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So we are going to get into Coachella just a little bit uh, later on. But listen, we want to also take a few minutes to talk 
to our, our brand new listeners. Like, this is Aww. so exciting. Yes, and our first episode did so well. So many people listen, but not only that, so many people message us to tell us, like, hey, we loved it. Uh, we're so excited for what's next. We haven't seen anything like this um, on the web yet. And that just makes me so happy because yeah. that's exactly what we envision it could be, right? Yes. To, like, bridge this gap or fill this, you know, fill this gap that was, you know, um, in the podcast world that was happening. Yeah. Well, it, like I, I think for me, what was really awesome to to see and and hear was really those uh, folks who had followed you, uh, who had mm-hmm. followed me, and then they were now sort of getting in communication with one another. Yes. And then sending us messages. Like there was a couple of folks from New York. Uh, so shout outs to all of the homies from New York who sent me messages. But it was so beautiful because they were. Like saying, yo, I don't know you, but I connected with you on um, on my story as I was d- d- taking the train to work. And I was listening mm-hmm. and it just, your story reminded me a lot of my story. But, you know, coming from uh, the Bronx, going to downtown to go work. Like it and was, you, you it know was what's so, so beautiful cool. is that um, I've met a lot of your people, like your folks out here. Mm-hmm. Um, people that you have worked and organized with. Um, but you haven't really met mine because they're like, yeah. you know, half a country. Well, the entire country away, like right on the other side of the country. Right. Um, and, you know, you got to connect with them. And these are folks that organized with me when I was undocumented and mm-hmm. that I met in college and have the story, powerful stories of their own and that I really hope one day can even come on this podcast. So thank you so much for all of you who reached out to either Ernesto or, or me. It, it was just so beautiful. Um, to see that people were connecting to what we were saying, what we were bringing to y'all. We're so, 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 so excited. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also for liking our stuff, starting to follow us. Sharing. Sharing. Yeah. Sharing even when we didn't even ask, yeah. you know. But also shout out to our padrinos, our padrinex and our madrinex. Madrinexes. You know who you are. <laughs> we we have some amazing friends that we call the padrinas and madrinos or madrinex, padrinex, all of it in between who when we came out with the episode was, we're so gracious to, uh, to to share it, to tell their friends, their their networks about our, our, our project. And, and that was are, beautiful. Yeah, and these are folks with like bigger platform to like, you know, just, you know, lend a hand to, for us to have like access to their, to their folks. So yeah. thank you so much. Absolutely. So. So. <laughs> Coachella things. Coachella things. We we had we had started a couple of weeks ago, uh, letting you all know that Angeli and I that loose accents was gonna take over Coachella, and baby, did we? <laughs> did we take over? Coachella took over our souls, our spirit, and our minds. Listen, can we start by discussing the themes and the 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 brain, the mind, <laughs> the person? The genius behind it all. So absolutely, we um, Coachella. F- for those of you who have gone or not gone, um, is is a cool festival that happens in uh, in Southern California um, every year, and I think it it started in like 1999 or something like that. But it's been a festival that has just been featuring a lot of great artists. It's a whole weekend, three day weekend of and just music. At the beginning, mostly white, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was mostly white. And I think it continued that tradition until, you know, little by little more mm-hmm. like hip hop artists, rap uh, artists, uh, B. Los Tucanes. Los Tucanes. <laughs> like, 
you know, Beyonce showing up and breaking it down yeah. uh, last year at uh, Beachella 2018. But um, I had never been. I had never been to Coachella prior to last year. Um, but one of the things that I right away saw was that, baby, it's it's a music festival, but then it's turned into like this fashion yeah. thing. Yeah, and you know me growing up in New York, and also growing up in the in the age of Tumblr, <laughs> I would see these Coachella photos on Tumblr, mm. and I would like aspire to live these people's lives mostly because like I got to wear the 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 early two thousands influencers you right. you might call them right like two thousand and ten right when I was in high school. <laughs> Why you do that? Why you gotta do that? <laughs> <laughs> With the chuckle at the end too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Um. So. You know, I would always, and me, like, growing up undocumented in the Bronx, that was my dream, to come to L.A. or come to, you know, California and someday make it to Coachella. Someday, you know, yeah. have flower flowers in my hair. Um, so being there, getting ready to go, like, looking for outfits, that to me was, like, <laughs> everything. Because I'm like, holy crap, like, I'm, like, I'm going. Like, yeah. This like it's like full circle for me. Like I, my dreams are coming true. Right. Um. And mira con quién like voy a ir. <laughs> con qué? Con quién fuiste? Con los queers. <laughs> okay. Again, this is me. How I always end uh, up in a group like of queer men. Right. <laughs> but living your best life. Living my best life. You're welcome. So who was who was the genius behind the theme, behind the outfits? Okay, so my partner, <laughs> baby, I love you. You are uh, an amazing, you you know, put together of outfits and themes and aesthetics. So you know, my partner was super excited about the different themes and what we could be wearing. And so literally, there was a whole conversation between him and other folks who were going talking about what we were going to wear. What was the aesthetic, the vibe, right? And so we came up with a couple of themes. And the first one was monoprintmatic. Lord Jesus. So when you heard that, what did you think it was? I had no idea what it was, <laughs> baby. So he messaged me. First of all, David has this thing where he messages you. Yeah. Um, saying, we have to talk. Mm. Listen, automatically I have anxiety. Right. So um, <laughs> he messaged me and he's like, okay, let's talk outfits. Now that you're going, let's talk outfits. Mm. And he gives me a breakdown of each day. And then uh, he's like, we're doing prints. Yeah. You know, just, you know, it has to be like, uh, like you're in, like from head to toe has to be the same print. Right. That So he explained it to me. He broke it down. Right. At this point, I had no idea what I was going to do, what I was going to wear. And mind you, this was like five days before yeah, the festival, like, right? So like he messaged me with the themes like like oh, two weeks before. And then we, we had to go shopping like, oh, like five days before. Right. Right, 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 yeah. right. So the first day was monoprintmatic. And, you know, obviously now you can see what we wore that day. And we were fierce. We were fierce. We were killing it. You know what I'm saying? Listen. I brought the Bad Bunny vibes. Like, call him and let him know. I'm, I'm there. That I embodied him <laughs> as my husband. So there was a whole venture of trying to get the whole group to get monoprintmatic outfits. I had a, a crazy meltdown because I had bought, like, two different outfits that the first one I just, I wasn't necessarily feeling. So I was like, well, let me buy another one. So I went online, I ordered another one. The outfit came like two days before Coachella. So I was like, this is it. I'm going to try it on. It's going to feel like amazing. Baby, I put that joint on and it was like I was wearing some diapers for shorts. 
and I was wearing a bata, like long sleeve bata, cultural appropriation, the hands down boot. Like I was not doing it. I was I was not. They would message me like we had a little hiccup but <laughs> with I, Ernesto's outfit. <laughs> a huge hiccup. So the next morning, like Thursday morning, I just you know shot myself to to the mall. I found another outfit, like, and it was popping. And that always happens with me. Like last minute, I come with the most randomest, you know, shit ever, and it works out. It works out. Listen, baby, I found all my outfits in one day. I'm, I wasn't worried. Okay, for, but yes, you did find all of your outfits in one day at, should we say? Los Callejones. Los Callejones, Santi Alley, baby. Cheap and ready to go. Where the drag queens, queers, and folks of color go shop. Yep. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I was, uh, I was living. I was like, oh my God, I found Ugh. my new home. I found the mall that I needed. Oh yeah, and then when you're hungry, you go outside and grab some elote and some juice. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we we show up the you know to go shop for that jelly, and we go to the first store that sh- that we find, and bam, first outfit, for, bang done, out. ready to go. And then the second thing. But can we talk about how I really? didn't choose my outfits. Of course you did. Like someone gave me the impression that I was choosing my outfits, but right. really the genius was behind it. Of so course. David would walk in and he's like, well, you know, he'll look around by himself and then he'll be like, well, um, what do you think about this one? The man picked all my outfits for yep. me and they were all perfect. Like mm-hmm. he has an eye and a talent for fashion and he knows it. Yeah. I cannot believe one. There was one outfit that I liked, um, and he was like, baby, we're going to Coachella in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> Red you. The next door, he found my outfit. I'm like, I can't, I can't stand him. Right. But, oh, but, but, but you love so it. He's so good. Yeah, but you love it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. So the second theme of, of, our, of our day was um, military. Military, but gay. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, if we're going to go military, we got to make it gay. We got to make it colorful. We mm-hmm. got to just be super queer about it. So the second day was military, and we all, we all looked super cute. We It was like Destiny's Child showed up to West Hollywood, which is the capital for the gays, I guess, here in L.A., and decided that it wasn't cute for them. So they went to Coachella. Well, I showed up like a hoe. Hotini. So if you notice, like, the pictures that I took, none of them are really, like, like close up they're kind of like sideways you know they're kind of covered mm. up that's because i did not want my mom seeing the fact that i was out here in a bralette mm. with little 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 parts showing yes well little uh you know <laughs> <laughs> liberada liberada she, she oh lord and then even even though like my pictures were not as bad someone snitched on me and told my mom que la abogada the no. future attorney was dancing on her instagram como una loca and my mom literally called me once the festival. She let me enjoy the festival. And then on Monday, she called me. She's like, I heard what you were doing on Instagram. I haven't had time to check it because I've been in church, unlike you. And But I heard what you were doing. I'm like, oh, Lord. Whoever is snitching on me, can you please stop? Whoever is snitching on D'Angeli, keep going. This is good. <laughs> It's humbling me. It's, it's humbling keep, her. It's keeping, it's keeping me humble. Por favor, because, jeez, this woman. <laughs> and then the third day, uh-huh. the third theme was... Free day. It was free day. Free day with a little pizzazz. I think the whole thing was like, 
We wanted to to be a little bit make it sexy. Make it sexy, make it loose, kind of have your whole vibe, you know, showing like translucent type stuff. So again, same thing. I had a full outfit prepared and then the day before I went to go buy some shoes and literally I found the entire outfit there. Like yep. everything that I wanted, I, I I just bought at one place a day before and and showed up with some fire outfits. And every day that we were there was like we were killing it. People yeah. were staring. People were taking pictures. Yeah. Um, and it was like if I I know that if I would have gone with another group of people, I wouldn't have been as extra as I was. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have had as much fun. It's just, I don't know, like dressing up was so good for me. Like, yeah. I don't. Uh, and then I, I, I tried a new hairstyle. Like I came through with the cornrows. And then I put little flowers in my hair for the last day. I felt good. Gorgeous. I felt good. You felt gorgeous. So, I mean, I think about, like, why this has sort of meant so much. Um, and, you know, if I go a little bit deeper and, and think about just the outfits and the whole idea of showing up together in theme, for me, it's always really about, like, community. It's about unity. It's about coming together uh, to think about, like, how we want to, uh, display and show up and and it was just really cool I always thought it was like really cheesy to do these things but yeah I same. actually found like a niceness about it yeah. there, there was a a kind of camaraderie that we had that we built with some also some strangers that we hadn't met in the yeah. past and mm -hmm. it was it was actually really cool yeah it felt it felt very nice like I, I'm very I'm very glad that we did it yeah yeah I think it made the experience so much more special absolutely so let's talk about the highs and the lows, pun intended, baby, um, <laughs> of this Coachella-ass festival. Because, Lord. One. One. J Balvin. <sighs> My baby. But listen, but the thing is about J Balvin that I showed up drunk. You didn't know, though. Who, who, D'Angeli who? I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, Eric and I, uh, one of our friends, um... We left because there was a bunch of the EDM playing and house music. Right, right, we're like, right, right. ah, we're not, we're not up for this. We went to the, we went, we went, uh, we got our bands for like, you know, over twenty one. Oh yes, yes, and then, yes. And then the thing is, you couldn't take the alcohol outside of like a certain, like a certain section. Mm. But we needed to meet y'all, so me and this man started chugging. Like we take shots and then we like start like chugging our drinks. Yeah. But then we ended up meeting there, so by that time my ass <laughs> was already turned. Leticia, Latina, like, Mestini. like I was mess. I was ready to get messy, and then we go to see J Balvin. Oh, okay, baby. So I'm completely sober, right? I I, I don't drink. Um, so I, I I'm showing up to this rose garden. Uh, no, it was like a beer rose yeah. garden, whatever. Yeah. And I see Dangeli. She was like, "Where y'all been? Ready? We're, we're ready." Uh, and you know, thirty minutes after that, J Balvin was coming, so we were like, yeah, bolting. Yes, we was almost running our way to the the J Balvin set, and then the music started, and it was over. It for was me. over. We were over. dancing, we were yelling, screaming, we were singing. Yes. I started dancing, minding my own business, doing my best, like black girl life. <laughs> and then someone's son, you know, he he couldn't help it. Yes, ma'am. He, you know, he saw this beautiful, amazing. <laughs> Just you know, stunning woman. Yes, baby. Shaking her booty. Yeah. And he couldn't help himself. Uh huh. So y'all, I started twerking on this man, right? Drunk. <laughs> and then I, 
I ran into him two more times, and then I think by the third time he was like, "Can I have your Instagram?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah, yeah. sure." You know, he was cute, whatever. He was cute with it. He, he was cute with it. He was yeah, cute yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. He 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 was dressed very well. He was, you know, good for him. Right. If you're listening, please. I think you know what it's taking. It's almost a week, baby. I'm I'm like, not sure if I should be offended at this point. Like, truly, sir, 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 sir. Call your daddy. Like, get better <laughs> lessons on that. So the funny thing is that, like, as soon as that J Balvin started playing, like, you was out there getting it, and I was I took a couple of pictures of you. So then I, all of a sudden I see this like homie just bloop 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 making his way coming towards you. And I got receipts, baby. <laughs> if you have seen our loose accents story, there there's some receipts. Girl, but you know what's crazy? I, I did not even notice you taking pics. I was too busy throwing yeah. it back. Turnt. Turnt. Turnt T-shirt. And then can we talk about when J Balvin did the whole, like, taking it back old school reggaeton? He played gasolina at Coachella. Like, he did that. Rakata. Like, Perdón. there's a video of me dancing rakata on Oswaldo, like one of our friends. And it's just us hype. <laughs> hype. Yeah, no, that was amazing. But you know what? That does not compare, y'all. And if you follow me, if you know me, you know that J Balvin does not compare to my man, mm. my husband, mm. my spouse, mm. el hombre que me mueve todo, mm. todo. When Bad Bunny came out, I almost fainted. <laughs> I, y'all, I started crying. I, I was that girl crying. I was, I was... I couldn't help it. I had my head down. Like I couldn't. I couldn't process what was in front of me. Like I was. I was about to fight this homegirl. Like from my spot. Like I was first row mm-hmm. in our section. Like I was. I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to like give my life to that man. I remember like we we also made our way to go all the way to the all the front way to the line, front right to the front of and uh, i told Ernesto, like Ernesto, you don't have to like i'm good like i i can enjoy this because it was crowded it was hot it was a mess um and i'm like you don't even have to like if you don't want to like go like to be there with me like it's okay like i understand but i will be first row and we were and we were first row Girl. Listen, we made friends. We made friends. There's a homegirl from Crenshaw with a Nipsey Hussle jersey, and she she hooked me up. She hooked you up in more ways than one. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we are speaking about a high moment of <laughs> our experience at Coachella. I, I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> right. So I remember, like, when Bad Bunny was present, like, just breaking it down, yep. you know, just shutting it down. I look back and I see a whole sea of Latinos. La Latinidad yep. estaba presente. Yep. You know, they showed out. That yeah, was they cool. Showed out. Yeah, that was nice. It was like because before Bad Bunny was Pusha T and then you see all these like black folks, yes. like African-American folks just like living their best life. Right. And then they leave and then Bad Bunny's right after. So you see all the Latinos like coming through. Coming through the and stage. And then there was the white girl front row. She's like, who is this? Who's next? I'm like, girl, if you don't get your ass Ma'am. Out of my spot. Right. So I can enjoy this man. You don't even speak Spanish. But then when they noticed that, like, it was, like, Spanish speaking, they left. They left. I was like, and, oh, good. And we took over. Yeah. And we took over. And it was so crazy because we were, like, so, like, we were in the very front. And we were like, yep. yo, should we stay here to, to see Ariana Grande? And then girl, and then we were like, yeah. oh, girl, it's going to be, like, five hours from yep. now. I'm hungry. Yeah. And plus. Thirsty. And plus, it was golden hour. And the lighting was perfect. So we said bye. 
Yeah, we needed to take pics. It's right. true though. We did leave to take pictures. We did, yeah. and we were having a full ass photo shoot. Yep. And we were asking, you know, Karen over here if she could take our pictures, and she yep. was like, "Okay." Yeah. Cute, cute with it. So let's talk about our lows. Can we talk about what was our lows? First of all, I was sleepy with Ariana Grande performing. Like, I was excited for Thank You Next and everything, but I'm just like, eh, girl. No, like no, no, after no, no, Baychella, no. like. And I think you mentioned that she had like an Arichella thing on her yeah. on her like her state. I'm like, girl, no. Girl, boo. Girl, boo. like you just out here being cute and you know, a little giving a little dance, a little you know, twerk here and there. But like, you you cannot compare. Nope. Especially like now that I watch the documentary on how like the Beachella, like how Beachella <sighs> happened. Like I don't, I don't see another artist that had the dedication, the discipline, the like. The artistry. The artistry to pull off something like that. That was the most, oh, my God. I was crying. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Crying, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean. She was 210 pounds. And less she, than a year and she did before all Coachella. That. And she was on a diet. Like, yeah. she, she, she had a, an input on everything. Every single dancer, every single chord, every single, like, band member. Like, she, she did that. Like, yeah. you can't say that Beyonce doesn't show out. And then you compare that to what we witnessed on the main stage from Ariana Grande. And you know what? To a certain extent, like, ugh, Childish Gambino, like, I was I was there trying my best. I was Childish trying. Oh, he was so messy. I was trying my best. And you know what? I appreciated a lot of the things that he did. Um, he's an amazing artist. An he's a genius when it comes to, you know, creating a kind of an energy and and a vibe to sort of his his music and, mm -hmm. he, and even how he puts that into visuals it was incredible but I, I guess I was just really comparing it to the energy of just last year and it didn't do it for me yeah and actually none of the the main acts did it for me mm -mm. um you know a, a low for me was absolutely just not being captivated enough by the main artist but just you know it was it, it was it was a lot like I, I think for someone who was sober like myself mm -hmm. um being in a place like that like I could, I could take it to a certain extent and then yeah. to a certain level I was like okay I'm I'm, I'm kind of over this like there's so many oh, people no, no, around baby yeah you hold up yes do you have something to say can we talk about you and black pink though <gasps> Oof. Can we talk about you while all of us were destroyed on the ground, laying down, falling asleep, thirsty, hungry, cranky, and then there was you. Right. With my Korean princesses of all time. I cannot. Listen, the man didn't even know the lyrics. Nope. He had no idea what they were saying. Nope. But he knew every beat. He knew every beat drop. Right. He knew, like, the dances. All I know is, ram pa 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 pam. That's it. I'm just like, where did he, how, why, how did, what? Look, when I found out who they were, I went down this like rabbit hole of K-pop fantasy. <laughs> and I was living my K-pop fantasy that crazy. night. K-pop is so damn popular. And I feel like not as much in the in the U.S. But Baby. like, I remember in New York, I went to a Korean town with my friend, uh, Stephanie. And she like, she introduced me to K-pop. Yeah. And I would just be in those like karaoke bars, just like in awe, like yeah. staring at the. It's so popular to, from like countries all around the world. Yeah, you, you know, and it, the crazy thing the other day, I was driving uh, here through South LA, and I like I heard um, one of uh, Blackpink's song "Kill This Love," 
And I was driving and I was like, yo, who was playing this song in the middle of South Central, like down Florence? I can't. So I'm driving behind them, right? I'm trying to figure out who they were. And then I moved over and it was like this Latina homegirl. She literally like rolled down the window and I was like, what's up, girl? Like, that's my shit. That's my I song. cannot. Like, how? Yo, Blackpink, if you're listening to this, because you will, I love you. Rose, you're my homegirl. I cannot. Lisa, I love you, girl. You know their name. You know what? Yes. You know what, baby? That's, that that was another high for me. Besides, like, J Balvin and, yeah. K, and you know, and, and you Black You were living. Oh, living. And baby. then you see us in the videos and we're like, Lord. Right. Like, busted. Busted. We were destroyed that first day. We were just so tired. I feel like yeah. we, we didn't really, un, like, we we didn't prepare ourselves enough. Yeah. Like, we, t- we got turned too soon. And then our energy ran out. Turned Tisha. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The, the I want to just say one last thing about um, her. Oh, her killed it. Wow. Her no. had me in my feelings. Let me tell y'all. So um, I'm single. And <laughs> you had mm. Kai and Eric hugging, kissing. You had David and Ernesto. And then there was me. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to her. I had to make a few FaceTime calls. <laughs> <laughs> You see me with my phone on FaceTime singing to her because I do have a few people like that. I like really love her. So I call them. It was like 1 a.m. in New York. And I'm right. like, listen, you just have to listen to this. Uh, but she was so good. Incredible. She's, she's an artist. Like, yes. What? Like, she knows how to play the piano. Um, well, the keys. She knows how to play the guitar, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Like, she is an overall artist. And then she's like, writes her lyrics. Like, it was. She's incredible. Like, she deserves, even so early on in her career, she deserves those Grammys. Like, 100%. Baby, she deserves everything. And she sounds like she she's, like, un, like in a studio. Like, she sounds live like she does in, like, any, like, recording. And there was a moment um, towards the end of, of her set where she, she stopped all the lights and she walked over to her piano and she just dedicated a song to Nipsey, Nipsey oh. Hussle, right? And, man, like... She she started weeping on stage because yep. you know she knew Nipsey they they had worked together they had you know they were friends and so she she was just really really taken aback by this and so she dedicated that whole performance to to Nipsey Hussle and there were folks in the audience just weeping just crying because of I how mean, emotional it was when when I went when we went the first the first day actually when we went to see the vision um there was like there was a whole like homage to Nipsey Hussle and I yeah. was crying my ass off mm-hmm. and that was actually the first time that I cried uh, to Nipsey I was I try not to um I try not to look at the video I still haven't I tried to like scroll past the post and the you know the funeral I was watching it at work and I got teary and I took it off like I just I couldn't handle the grief um because I actually live about three minutes yeah three minutes from for where he died and south like south LA was mourning yeah um like I avoided that side, like that side of town, for those first like few weeks because I I couldn't deal with the sadness. Yeah. Um, my roommate was crying. Like, it was just so sad to lose such like an important member of like, like South LA's community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not from South LA. Like I'm a transplant. But like seeing the grief and the impact that he had in his community, it just oh man, that kind of like, it destroyed me inside. Yeah. Like. And I, I told my roommate, I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. I, you know, there's murals everywhere. And I, like, look away because I just, I don't want to break down. And in the, in, during the vision set, 
I did. Like I couldn't help it. I was I was crying. I was weeping. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so that man sleep in peace. Yeah. You know, rest in power. Uh, our dear brother Nipsey Hussle, who has who had done you know so much work for the community here of South LA specifically. I, I work uh, here in South LA, and so for us, it was a, it was a, a huge tragedy. Uh, he actually was working directly with our organization and our local council member to to bring this incredible um, project, uh, Destination Crenshaw to South LA to really commemorate the history and the artistry and the magic and the culture of, of black people here in South LA. And he was working on, he was one of the, I would imagine a consultant, an artist uh, consultant to, to create that vision for this passageway on Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. and. And that's when you know that's where he lost his life on on Crenshaw itself. Yeah, you know, moving moving from New York into South LA, there were so many people that were telling me like, oh my God, like South Central, how can you move there? Um, and to be honest, I came I came in very naive, but I also I I always understood that when people call something dangerous yeah. and scary, they usually mean that poor brown and black people live there yeah um and i understood that growing up in the bronx and you know hearing so much like so many bad things about the bronx knowing that it was my culture my community um and where i grew up so i came into south to south la like understanding that like one i was not going to be scared of this community mm -hmm. i knew that community always took care of me mm -hmm. um and then two also understanding that like as a transplant it wasn't my place to come in and talk shit yeah. Like yes, I talk shit about like Latinidad here in the West Coast because y'all whole ish, like y'all hope y'all trifling, hopeless. Um, but <laughs> you know, coming into South LA and seeing that love, it really proved to me that like there was nothing like to be scared about. Right. Um. Obviously, there's crime, right? Uh, because it stems from poverty. Uh. But Nipsey really showed me as a transplant like the value, um, and the beauty of community no matter where you are. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was sort of the, the interesting thing also because Coachella was not just about, you know, what we've talked the turn about. Up. The turn up, the fashion, the, the music. But it, for me, it was a, a really interesting intersection because as we were making our way to Coachella on thir last Thursday, that was also the day that they were having, yes. you know, his, mm -hmm. his, the, his, his ceremony, the ceremony of his life and... It was interesting that, that you know they had done a, a kind of a tour, so they were taking him yes, around uh, South LA, around South LA, yeah. and, and different parts of, of the city, um, and they actually passed right in front of, of where I work, oh. right down Vermont, yeah. and you know I, I was watching my coworker's story on Instagram as it was happening, and it just brought me so much, you know, sadness. Um, but then also seeing that right behind him was an entire community just making their way to to really commemorate and honor him. And I think that's why Coachella for me this year was a, a kind of an intersection of, of seeing how music um, really transcends just whatever the time is happening. And I actually found myself, Mama, like taking a lot of moments during the festival to to do some meditation. And I know y'all talk so oh, much shit about it. Like, did. there was I a picture. <laughs> you know what? Let's go in there. There was a picture where I um, I, I closed my eyes and, and I was just <laughs> holding myself because I, I was, you know, imagining 
all of the you know the childhood memories of, of what music meant to me and and how music had meant just so much love and happiness and joy and and I was in a really joyful place at that point meanwhile, I had just our tri- meanwhile our trifling asses right he was he had his eyes closed like laying on the ground us taking pictures of him on the ground <laughs> posting next like posing next to him <laughs> making fun of him right. literally complete the complete opposite yeah. of being grounded we're messy right you're floating <laughs> Floating somewhere high in the air. And drunk, too. Truly. Truly. And the opposite of present. Right. And, and and that's why I think, like, I I loved my experience at Coachella. Like, yes, the artists were cool. The fashion was amazing. But for me, it really was about the friendship. It was about the people that I went with. The the moments of us, like, running across the, the freaking field, just running a little wild. Uh, and even just the moments of me holding my partner and giving him a kiss on the neck and holding him and while we were listening to her or just like waking up at, you know, late morning, just saying, damn, I, I can't believe I'm here. There was one one uh, one like one part of, of the weekend that I, I vividly remember. And it was one David breaking his diet. <laughs> 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 Two, it was another, uh, um, it was you and David walking hand in hand, mm. and then me in front of you, skipping. Yeah. With my black skirt. Yes. And just like, like basically like just holding it out, right? Yeah. And just like being a child. Yes. Like I just... Just embracing the mm-hmm. child in me mm. that always wanted to be there. It was like, in, in that moment for me, that was my meditation. I was like skipping around. I was looking around. I was looking at the Ferris wheel and I was just taking it in. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I have become everything that child, like little undocumented yeah. Dangeli wanted me to be. Yeah. And that's because I followed my purpose. Yeah. And had I not moved to LA, had I not chased my dreams, had I not like made that huge decision of following my purpose. I wouldn't have met y'all, and I wouldn't have ended up at Coachella doing one of the things that I dreamed of that I never thought was possible for me right. as a kid. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. it was just, it was so beautiful and so grounding. Um, and then there was a homegirl in our Instagram, <laughs> my Instagram, that was like, did you know that Coachella, the what is it, the owner of Coachella is mm. like Republican, uh, um, it's homophobic, oh, and, yeah. and, and he donates money to like Republican parties. And I'm like, oh. Right. Yes, I am aware. Because our lives are complicated. You know what I'm saying? Like, our lives are extremely complicated. And, and, and what I do, and, and it's true. It absolutely is true. So I think that she's she's stating facts. Yeah. And she's saying, you know, the owner and, and the CEO and all those folks that are at the very top and the ones that actually founded this, you know, this concert probably didn't have us in mind to, nope. to be out here celebrating in the middle of the desert in the middle of the mountains. And yo, I was like. Queer as hell. Right. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Here I am in this freaking like green outfit in the mountains, just seeing these beautiful sunsets, hearing Bad Bunny on stage and seeing a whole crowd of Latino faces enjoying themselves to the fullest. Like, I am here for that moment. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So I, I can be both. Uh, a woke, a politically correct, or sometimes incorrect individual, gay, undocumented, queer man, and still be able to sit and stand in the middle of those mountains and saying, I am living my life 
right now. And it's also about like understanding that we as people of color, as people who are oppressed and marginalized, right? We deserve nice things too. Like, damn, like we deserve a weekend away of not checking social media because there's bad connection and enjoying music and being present and being drunk and being altered in many other ways. Hello. Um, and just kind of putting aside the theory and the, and the protesting and the organizing, saying like, just now, just in these like next 36 hours, I just want to live. Yeah. I just want to dance and sing and just forget. Yeah. And that's important. Like, if we talk about mental health in, like, socially conscious communities, like, y'all, like, people are not well, mm-hmm. especially under this administration. So if what it takes is going to Coachella to, like, let it go for 36, 72 hours, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I can live my life for, and I can forgive myself for that. Right. And also because I know that I'm coming back to the work. Yep. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. I know that I'm going to come back to the work, that the undocumented nature of of who I am and who my family is and who all the folks are around me, like, we are coming back to the work. And we can't escape it. Our identity don't allow us to escape it. Right. And same thing for me. Like, I work in a nonprofit. I do this work every day. I'm listening to immigrant stories and, and screening folks for, like, legal. Like, I'm I'm doing the work. But sometimes I need to be my full-on self without having to, like, feel guilty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was there was also another moment, Mama, that, that really, uh, really captured me. So I, I was thinking a lot about how I grew up. I was really thinking, because you, you saying that, you know, there was a moment where you just felt like your child just came out and you were like skipping along in, mm-hmm. in the grass. And, and that actually was something that, that happened to me, like just thinking about growing up on Saturday mornings, mama blasting up the, the cumbia and saying, yo, we, we gonna get to work. We're gonna clean this house. Here's the trapeador and we're gonna just clean this house to make this place beautiful. And I just started thinking about all the amazing moments that that music has been a part of of my life and my development and just, you know, growing up here in in freaking uh, L.A. And even for me, like on on my way to Coachella, I was listening to Aventura's new album. And Mm. I guess you don't really know much about Aventura, but Aventura was this like crucial like bachata group that we that they were our in sync. So you know how like. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. how Rihanna brought them out? Mess. If, if listen, Aventura was my Aventura was my backstreet boy. Like <laughs> they were like they modernized bachata. Bachata for us was like a like old people music. Like right, you right, know, right, our right. parents' music. They made bachata accessible to like millennials. And then Romeo Santos, when he ventured off on his own, he made it like global. Yeah. And not only did he do that, but like he he introduced it to, like, U.S. mainstream media by, like, featuring Usher, featuring Drake. Like, I remember in college, like, dancing to uh, Odio, which is, like, a Romeo Santos and Drake song. One second I would be dancing bachata, and the next I was rapping every line. And it just incorporates yeah. who I am. And Aventura, like, Romeo Santos dropped an album 
that brought on all the OGs. Mm. So you had Romeo Santos here, like with his modern, like his, you know, his modern vibe, but he brought all the original bachateros, like people that I, like my mom grew up on. Right. That my grandma was listening to growing right. up. Um, you know, and he made every song fit that particular bachatero. So he brought our parents' generation to us. And wow. he basically bridged that gap. And he did that with music. Girl, he has a song there that, like, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to go home to cry to. Like, <laughs> and then not only that, he reunited Aventura, which was, like, it's, it's basically Destiny's Child. When they performed for the first time in so, so many years at um, a Super Bowl. Stop it. That people were going crazy. Not so that, That's what that song represented for, like, Dominicans, for Caribbeans, for Puerto Ricans, for, like, East Coast Latinidad. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, it shook my social media. Shook like, teeny. Like, yeah. you know, like, the platforms that represent us, like, Remezcla, um, People Chica, like, those platforms, like, we're like, oh, my God, he did that. Wow. And I went into Coachella already in this vibe of like, damn, like music really transforms my life. Yeah. And even as a poet, like I, I like I'm here listening to heartbreak songs on the regular. Um, I'm like music for me is crucial for me to write. Like I do not write without music. I, a poem never comes to me unless I am listening to a certain kind of song. Yeah. You, uh, you, you brought up something that kind of happened for me, but after uh, the Coachella uh, festival. So, you know, like I, I just mentioned, we grew up with uh, listening to cumbias a lot. Uh, growing up, every Saturday morning, there was like cumbias playing and we were cleaning uh, and cumbias at the quinceañeras and, you know, all the rest. And so I always felt like cumbia was was something that that was not necessarily Mexican, but it was more like Mexican-American. And it's mm -hmm. because I learned that when I came to the U.S. So I remember like in 1996, this is, you know, I was eight years old. I was one. Uh, yes, I can do math. Thanks, baby. <laughs> Ugh, I ain't got time for her. Security, take her now. I'm always reminding them that they're older than me, y'all. Always. Anyway, so in 1996, yes, you were one. Uh, and I was uh, eight years old. So when I came to the U.S., like, that was the the aftermath of, of Selena's passing, right? And, you know, for I always kind of, like, didn't know what was going on. But mm. my mom was a huge fan, and she would play mm. her songs. And then I started, like, seeing more and more of of the legacy of Selena moving through to the point that, like, my little sister's name is Selena, right? Oh but it's God. with the C. Yeah. And so, so there was, like, a kind of a connection there. But Selena became so important um, for Mexican-Americans, for Chicanos, for, mm. for folks that live in, in the South... Uh, in the Southwest, in the, the New Mexico, Arizona um, area, the, the Tex-Mex, right? And I remember, like, I, I knew that she was important, but not as much as, like, when I started growing up mm -hmm. and then really studying her in college. Like, she was that person that did that for the Mexican-American, for yeah. the, the Chicano, the, the Latinx community that brought cumbias and even the the... the the translation and the moving over to the English audiences and, and brought that kind of um, magic, if you will. But you know, Selena even touched Dominican Republic. So yeah. my mom grew up on Selena and like she was in her teens when Selena was really, really big. And I mean, I died. I, I, I died. So I was born um, a month before Selena passed. Ah, uh, yeah. And so, however, like one of my first recollections of music includes Selena. 
and it was like early 2000, like probably 2000, 2001, where I would always hear her music. And when I migrated, um, I was really exposed to like the the huge impact that she had, especially yeah. here in the U.S. So I grew up on Selena, even though I was not even born when when she was when she was alive. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Like for me, like Selena always encompassed the side of like th- th- this part of um, Latinidad so closely um, connected to the U.S. Yes, and that was also my experience, even growing up in the in the in the East Coast, that like Selena encompassed Latinidad in the U.S. Right, you know that. So with with Coachella and speaking of all all things Coachella, we can't ignore everything else that happened. Uh, in our experience, leading up to the festival, coming out of the festival, right? So um, it, it just really brings the significance of, of music and culture and how our Latinx experiences are really intertwined with music. And now yes. I can say that, yes, this undocu queer as man went to Coachella twice, and that is part of uh, of my musical experience and, and, and really experiencing this US um, oppressive ass system in a way that I just I wanted to be free and and it was it was a good moment for liberation for me and something that I told David uh, coming out of Coachella was that I'm like this is the experience of a lifetime for me mm. like I know that I'm going to remember this forever I'm yeah. going to remember the people that I came with um, but also the fact that I even was able to go yeah like Wow. Which which really comes into question, you know, for that, that you just said, really honing in on the moment, which I think why even Homecoming and Beyonce's, like, film is so incredibly important because that, that's the moment for her. Yeah. Right? And for black people in America, like, she brought what blackness meant for her growing up in Texas, mm-hmm. the HBCUs, the, the culture and tradition of music and sass and just stank. It's just so amazing. And there's something that she said. She's like, I want to bring my 22-year-old career to this performance. Yes. And that's exactly what she did. From the moment, like, growing up, um, you know, from, from what she used to listen to as a child, what she looked up to as a teenager when she couldn't even go to college. Yep. She said that, at some point, she said that her college was Destiny's Child. Right. And that she learned her lessons, not from school, but from life. I was like, oh, Lord. Done. I was done. I was, uh, I was crying. Because I'm like, Beyonce did that. And then she really understands what it means to create, um, but also what it means to create for her community. Yes. Something that Nipsey Hussle did. Something that Selena did. Something that Romeo Santos does. Like, just, you know, like, the the power of artistry and, and, and you know, creating something for your community that, like, becomes global. It's right. just so goddamn beautiful. That There was a line in, in Homecoming uh, that Beyonce said something like, I I wanted to go to Coachella and not wear... I didn't want to go there to wear my... A crown of roses. I yes. wanted to go there yes. to be black. Yes. And to just yep. be herself. Yep. And that was, like... That is absolutely the energy that I took to Coachella last year and this year. I went to be as authentic, Latino, undocumented, and queer uh, that I could be. And that's what I achieved. And I feel like that's also, like, that lesson is also why I even came to LA. Like, I came here to be my black Dominican self. Yes. Like, no watering it down, 
that's why I'm like always correcting people. I'm like, don't call me brown. I am a black girl. Um, but also bringing my culture, right? And introducing folks to my culture and my side of Latinidad that like a lot of folks don't have access to here. And it really showed that like, you know, we can take a lesson from this, right? Um, and what it means to be unapologetically yourself, mm-hmm. even in spaces that are not meant for you. Because she said it. She said um, the first uh, black woman to uh, headline Coachella ain't that a bitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. And sheesh, I, man, there's so many things that I could I could go and talk about this beautiful, black, amazing, incredible woman who has just done so much for music. So B, you know, thank you so much for for homecoming. That was incredible. And to uh, our dear brother, uh, Nipsey Hussle, may you rest in paradise, rest in power. Um, you know, may your family get some solace and some some comfort from seeing how much you have affected people's lives and how much really folks are going to continue the marathon here in South LA and all across the country. And to, to my homegirl, you know, Selena, baby girl, thank you for just sharing your your magic and your music and shaking your hips and, and showing people that you could just be, you know, Spanglish and just not give a damn and just be ultimately yourself. So it was all three of these artists are just, and Romeo Santos and just- uh, He's out here doing his thing. First, first Latino artist to sell out Yankee Stadium, y'all, twice. Wow. Incredible. <sighs> so thank you so much for listening uh, this week, y'all. I hope you enjoyed our Coachella shenanigans. Uh, you can uh, listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple uh, Apple Podcast. Yes. Yes. And we should be getting it to Google Play soon. Be patient with us. Stay we're tuned. out here. We're, we're, we're out here. We're, we're out working. here working. Uh, you can follow us. Well, you can follow the podcast at Loose Accents and follow me, Dangelia, after the Dominican Next Things. And you can follow me at Bay. The next episode should be released May 6th. We are currently um, working on releasing an episode every Monday, every two weeks, right? Bi-weekly on Monday. Yes, so the yes. next one should be coming in May 6th. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all, I had a great time coming up to you in South LA with my homegirl, the best, the bestest, the baddest of all of them, Dangeli, Afro-Dominican next things, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. And this was Loose Accents. Accents.